It's February 20th, 2023. This is Rook. Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 240 of Rook. The Islamic Republic is a threat to journalists around the world. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam dustan aziz. Durud The Islamic Republic is a dangerous threat to journalists around the world. Now I know, this statement probably sounds redundant to many of you. And why even limit this to journalists? Might it be more expedient to just say the Islamic Republic is a threat to the world? Which is fairly accurate and omnibus. But we would do a disservice to the severity of recent events to gloss over the latest manifestation of a terrorist regime that is not just intent on suppressing and depressing the people inside Iran, but shows no hesitance about expanding such activities globally. Basically, everyone who opposes this current regime is a target, anywhere, anytime, but particularly journalists and media who set out to report the truth about this murderous theocracy. So to recap, you may have heard the news that Iran International TV Network is now being forced to move all of its operations that have been till now based in London, England, to Washington, D.C., America, due to alarming security concerns. An entire network is moving due to threats from Iran. That is, the country that officially has the worst record in the world of detaining and killing journalists, now exporting its crackdown campaign beyond its borders. And set aside what you might think of Iran International, some of its on-air people, its funding, its content, whatever. Because the reality is that there are a lot of talented reporters, anchors, producers, researchers at that network that deserve to be able to do their jobs without fear of their own lives being taken. The Islamic Republic is a threat to journalists around the world. In case you missed it on the weekend, after a significant escalation in state-backed threats from Iran and advice from the Metropolitan Police in Britain, Iran International reluctantly closed its London studios and moved broadcasting to Washington. Word is the threats had grown to the point that it was felt that it was no longer possible to protect the channel's staff. Now, think about how insane that is. We get used to this as a global Iranian community, you know, horrific stories at the hands of the Ayatollahs over 44 years. But we should never think them normal. A broadcast network in a Western country, with many British citizens among its staff, is being forced to move its operations across the world to keep its workers safe after months of threats from the Iranian government. So much for sovereignty, security and free speech in the UK when the brutal regime in Iran is at play. The Islamic Republic is a threat to journalists around the world. To their credit, the Iran international team say they will refuse to be silenced and will continue broadcasting, but it should never come to this. For those Western countries still playing footsie with the regime in Iran and hoping to establish a new nuclear deal, this stuff is on your hands. Whether it's the journalists detained and tortured inside the country, those threatened abroad like Masih Alinejad, or an entire broadcast network having to move its place to keep its staff in a safe space. The world's journalists will have to continue to watch their back and remain on the run until a revolution to rid this Islamic regime is done. 
Coming up on this new edition of Rook, part seven of our ongoing series, Voices from Inside Iran. Today we speak to four brave young frontline demonstrators in Gilan, Tehran, Shiraz, and Rasht for their perspectives on the state of the uprising from inside the belly of the beast. Plus the Rook Roundtable convenes. This is Rook, episode 240, The Uprising, Voices from Inside Iran. Here we go. Alive and kicking in Toronto. You know, this is these are my these are some of my favorite episodes when mm-hmm. we do the voices from inside Iran. Yeah. And we haven't done it in a while because we did it every week for a while. And mm-hmm. then we felt like um they, there wasn't it's not that there wasn't lots to say, but uh, they were kind of we we were caught up with them, you mm-hmm. know, because we were using some of the same speaking to the same people each week with pseudonyms, different names, different locations to hide their keep their anonymity. But um now after a couple of months, we want to check in with um some of the people a couple of new people and a couple of people we'd spoken to before. Mm-hmm. Um and it's such a window into what people, especially young people, especially people who've been demonstrating, who are you know part of the the, the uprising, the movement, the That's revolution, right. what they're thinking inside Iran. Um, because I think sometimes in San Diego or Calgary <laughs> or Sydney or Toronto, we like to think we know what's going yeah. on, or or we assume. But uh, it's great to. It was so instructive throughout the fall that we'd hear hear from these people inside Iran. So. We're going to go to someone named Reza, not his real name, in the Gilan province. That's mm-hmm. the north, Pega, north of Iran. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Behgol. Now, we had Behgol on before. You Do you remember when um, last week on my opening essay, I was talking about somebody we, I spoke to, and I said, what do you most want in a free mm-hmm. Iran? And she said, just to, to be able to walk dog, by dog. Yeah. She's so she's this activist, but that was her answer that mm-hmm. day. It's such a beautiful and simple answer. So we're going to go back to her and Shiraz, catch up with her two or three months later now. Yep. Since I mean, she was almost arrested. Was she arrested the last time we spoke to her? Uh, no, but she, her friend was beside her. Her friend was arrested. Her, yeah. That's right. And her friend became something of a yes, yes, cause yes, celebre. Yeah. Like became somebody yeah, that we. Yeah, yeah, she was an athlete, and they put her in front of camera for like forced confession. Forced and yeah, so Behgol, which is her real name, mm-hmm. unafraid. You know, she's going to. Then Som in Tehran, mm-hmm. who we've had on a couple of times. Yeah. He's always insightful and informative. And then Marjan, who is in a city in the north of Iran, which we won't uh, um, expose. But she she was arrested last time, I think we spoke yes, to her. Yes, correct. Uh, just uh, been released. And so she will certainly have some perspective. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to, to hear um, all of their perspectives, actually. it's Like you said, it's such a window into what's really happening on the front lines and so different from what we experience living outside of Iran. I want to know if they're still as hopeful as they were before. Mm-hmm. I want to know if they're still as defiant as they, as they were before. I, I suspect they will be, but mm-hmm. we'll see. But I want to know what they, how much they care about what's all of this stuff that seems to be the priority in the diaspora. Yeah. Are, they, are they consumed in the de facto leadership race and the coalition and the even the big demonstrations today in Brussels. I know we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. but is that still making a difference to them inside Iran right. or has, have things moved on? Uh, um, it will be, it'll be 
really good to hear from them. Um, that what do you think of did now did you what did you think when you heard this news about Iran International? I felt like I had oh to do gosh. my opening about that. And let me and again a disclaimer: it's really kind of irrelevant, frankly, mm-hmm. whether you love the network network or not. I mean, I assume we're going to get some people saying, "Why are you defending the Iran?" Because <laughs> people don't you know people, there's people who don't. Everybody has an opinion, but but this is there are people just trying to do their work, mm-hmm. and it's it was astounding to me. Yeah, a network has to move and move out of England. I mean, it's not like it's in a you know an unstable Middle Eastern country. I don't know some some place that uh, uh, that you go. Well, of course. Well, what are you doing in that part of Syria or something? <laughs> you know, it's it's London, England. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a testament to exactly how far the tentacles of the Islamic regime expand and extend and you know to see them have this kind of an impact on like you said you know a network in the uk um i think it clarifies everything that we've been talking about the last few months about you know their ability and their the effect that the islamic republic has even outside of iran the jorata of the islamic republic to like it's like they don't have enough to take care of at home yeah um, I, I exchanged uh, voice messages with uh, Farzad Farzad today, who's, mm-hmm. who's one of their uh, big anchors, and he was saying just just saying how you doing, are you okay? What? Right. And he was saying like everything is crazy over there because they they've committed themselves to continuing broadcasting, mm-hmm. but they're moving their operations. You know, so I think he was on air for twenty hours or something that himself in D.C. just trying to keep things going and. Uh, and wow. yeah, it's a, that's a that's a major major uh, move, and and it comes. You know, th- these threats have been escalating, mm-hmm. and uh, once the police say, "Listen, we think you guys better get out." I mean, the well, whole thing is that's the other crazy. thing. I mean, I'm sure that with you know Iran International's programming, I'm sure they've gotten the odd threat and and of course, whatnot yeah. here and, and there. But and, and to be fair, you got to know what you're getting into. Exactly. I mean, surely they do. And, they, and they, that's they exactly have, they've been the most outspoken, You, I guess, with Manitou. That's about, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, but what I mean is, you know, I'm sure they've had their fair share of this over the last who knows how many years, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's gotten to such an extent breaking that, point. that you, yeah. like you mentioned in your essay, you know, with the police coming into it and, and them saying it's not safe and for them to feel that their operation is at risk and their staff are at risk, it's... I honestly kind of... Uh, not because I don't think of the uh, that that of this regime is capable of horrendous things, mm-hmm. but I almost could, didn't believe it entirely when I first. I was like, "What, really? Yeah. Come on, there must be some other. Maybe they're, you know, they had to close a division <laughs> for cut costs or downsize or something. I mean, it seemed crazy to me, yeah. but I it's obviously believable. It's crazy, but it's the reality of yeah. the Islamic Republic. But it's not even the Islamic Republic. It's the UK. It's in the UK. But I mean, I know it's in the UK, but it's as a result of, you know, the Islamic Republic. Yeah. So even with them being in the UK and feeling yeah, that, yeah. you know, there should be some level of safety and sovereignty like and, you mentioned, you know, Massey Ellen Jod in yeah, Brooklyn. That's another you know, example. people coming after her, you know, I mean it's uh it's it's scary stuff. The tentacles of this this regime. Yeah. Um listen, before we get to the Rook round table, I wanted to because I always leave this too long. I wanted to talk about our patrons. Yes, actually, our Rook members our Rook on members. Patreon. Yes, because we've set up this is brand new. We set up a a new Patreon page, so it's, this is all very new, and we're just developing. Uh, we're just building our our crowdsourcing here, but we operate through crowdfunding, and uh, and so that means that people can. Um, 
subscribe to become a, a Rook member. And we had been using another system, which still is operating for now, but we moved everything over to Patreon because it's very user-friendly, it's very mm-hmm. easy, and also because we wanted to be able to give back. So depending on the category that you're in, you know, like there's bronze, silver, gold, and they're not huge. I mean, it's like a $10 a month or $20 a mm-hmm. month, that kind of thing. Um, I think the gold category now, you get a, a, a week in Greece with Roham or something. You get a, get an entire- uh, I thought it was with Shia. Uh, you, get, you get a month of brunch with Shia. No, the, the, the prizes are, uh, are phenomenal. Um, so, uh, but part of it is we wanted to give some shout outs to people who are signing on as Patreons. So Aaron Debray, mm-hmm. um, Aaron Debray, thank you. You are uh, have become a Bronze Rook member, uh, as has Nazila Rafizadeh. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'd be saying that correctly. Nazila Rafizadeh. Nazila yeah. Rafizadeh. Yes. Janice Franco. Yes. Very Persian name. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> from the Ozeri region, I think, the, the Francos. Uh, Janice Franco, a bronze member. Thank you to you, Janice. And Sohrab Masudi, a gold member. Mm-hmm. Has become a gold member on our... So go to our website, rookmedia.com, uh, and I'll do something like this, three or four names each week, uh, each episode. Um, and uh, go to our rookmedia.com, press the support us button. That's right. Takes you to the Patreon page. Signing up is really easy. Very easy. Or if you're already familiar with Patreon, you can just simply search Rook Media and it'll take you right to our page. All right. And Patreon is the name of the the platform. Uh, It's an easy interface to be able to just sign up and become a Rook member. Thank you to you guys who are doing so. We really, really appreciate it. Now, before we get to voices from inside Iran, uh, I think we're going to actually start in Gilan and uh, this this guy named Reza, um, who I know has an interesting story to tell. Let's uh, just get to a little bit of what's been happening mm-hmm. today. Seemingly, uh, you know, in, in the in the day trading of what's happening in <laughs> the Iranian community and what's happening in with the uprising today was a big day because uh, all eyes were on Brussels, where there was a, a demonstration with thousands and, and thousands of folks there. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in an effort to make the case that the IRGC should be put on the terrorist list in, in Europe. And we saw Hamid Ismailoun and Massian Ajad and uh, Ali Ohondi, your guy, Shia. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> Shia like once said he likes the guy, so now it's so now his, his guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but uh, but a lot of those folks were That's right. were there. So so uh, tell us a bit about what this event today. Um, well, there was reports of over six thousand people in attendance. So that was, I mean, huge numbers. We've seen. I I'm sure a lot of videos have been circulating and, and is that a huge number not for Toronto not for Toronto but you know I, I still think even anywhere in the thousands when you start to see these videos and and you're part of that crowd and you get that sense I, I think it's a big number and to be honest Brussels not a hotbed of the Iranian diaspora that's right yeah. that's right and so a lot of people would have would have come from other places well, that's what yeah. I was gonna say is that um, there was a large number of individuals who actually traveled from all over Europe to to be part of this and to be part of this demonstration and to really have their voice heard and um, it coincided with um, I believe there was a, a meeting of the EU foreign ministers today and this is actually where individuals were gathered so the discussion um, at at this meeting or conference I guess was in fact the sanctions and so it was really important to have these individuals out there mm. in the thousands to mm. have their voice heard outside of this conference taking place. Yeah, it looked uh, it, it looked fiery and impressive mm-hmm. and I I would hope made an impression. 
Um, we're, we're working on bringing somebody on on Thursday who was there uh, to talk about it. But uh, it was also another moment where we saw some of these, um, I, I still don't know what we call them, uh, uh, de facto leaders, public figures, mm-hmm. uh, people who have become the familiar faces of the opposition in, in outside of Iran That's right. um, in the same place. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple of days ago we saw Masih Alinejad and Reza Pahlavi uh, and Nazanin Boniadi at the Munich, Munich conference. conference that's and right. now in Brussels, we see Massey and Hamed and a, a few others. Uh, and I, I think that seems to be stirring the hearts of Iranians. Mm-hmm. I, I say that because I see people sharing that on social media. Look, and there's pictures of like three of them, <laughs> and then everybody's, you know, likes it and gets excited, or somebody says something negative, but, you know, um, that, I, that seems to be the subtext of that's this. That's right. right. And I think we're going to be seeing more of that because coming up on the 22nd, um, there's going to be a demonstration in Rome that I know Masiani Najad and Hamid Ismailun are both going to be at. Do you think that there's more than one Masiani Najad? <laughs> <laughs> There honestly could be. She's, because she's very She's active. the Energizer Bunny. Yeah. I don't understand how much Red Bull can one person consume to be in every location. <laughs> a I mean, twin she's or a, a clone? She's something? always, she, and she's, you know, very well-spoken. She's mm-hmm. very, you know, fiery and has a lot of energy. And, and But I, yeah, it's like, wow, how does this person not, I mean, most people would be wrecked after mm-hmm. one of these events, you know, like, okay, I need a week off now. And she's a, <laughs> she's very, very impressive that way. It's a, She's always... She seems to be, you know, representing. Maybe she has some, some help or some people around her that hopefully they're supporting her um, and keeping her healthy because that's certainly important. So, what was, um, what was your takeaway from? I, I get, we won't really know much about what came out of Brussels today. I mean, it's a obviously a powerful demonstration. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it shifts anything in Europe. Although uh, this guy, this EU guy, Joseph Borrell. Joseph Borrell. He said, like, I don't care what this demonstration, it didn't, it won't change anything in our uh, rules. The oh weird God. thing is how committed this guy, like he doesn't even tactfully kind of go, well, we're That's still studying yeah. that, you know, he's, he's really like playing to the regime. Exactly. Like, no, we you know, I'm not going to listen to these people. Don't worry. Let's do a deal. It's uh, this is the president of the EU or something like that. What's his official position? Um, High representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security yes. Policy. Maybe he's the high representative. <laughs> yeah. Of the, he's Honestly. so wasted that he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how do you not have a clue? Like, or, or do well, you? And this clue. is, this no, is no, your agenda no, that you're pushing. No, of course. He has a clue. The clue is let's do a deal and yeah. there's millions at stake and you know Line we don't care we don't care about democracy or freedom or human rights or whatever in Iran that's the mm-hmm. that's the clue um, more than a clue sadly so but maybe think obviously there's a lot of efforts and these kind of events like Brussels today make a big difference there's another one in Rome in a couple of days too yeah that's going to be on the 22nd um, that's going to be a demonstration like I said Masih Aninejad and Hamid Ismailun will both be there um, and I'm sure there's going to be again thousands um, who show up because again within within Europe I think there's a lot of people who travel from varying cities and so that helps the numbers and the impact now what did you make of the um, the Munich conference on Friday. I mean, some of these things, I always wonder, uh, you know, we're so hungry as the Iranian community to mm-hmm. see progress, to see things happening, that, that I, that I, I kind of think, well, 
did we care about the Munich Conference on Security before? <laughs> like, like now it's a really big deal to us. But it's a, these are all steps. Yeah. And from what I understand, the regime in this case, representatives were intentionally not invited. Yeah. And instead, representatives of the opposition, you know, in the diaspora were there. That's a big deal. Well, I think that's actually the biggest deal out of, you know, we've seen time and time again where, um, you know, these opposition leaders, if that's what we're calling them, again, still so unsure of what to refer to them as. But, let's call them that. For but now. yeah, let's yeah. call them that. Um, we've seen other places where they've had an opportunity to speak. You know, we, we saw um, at Georgetown that, that panel and we've seen them over the course of the last few months, but this this marked the first time that they were invited instead of representatives mm. of the Islamic Republic. So I think that in and of itself was was huge mm. um, to see that you know some organization in the West is finally opening up their eyes and choosing to have a conversation with Iranians as opposed to the regime. So I think that in and of itself <clears throat> was really helpful. And aside from that, you know, a lot of the conversation that was had at the conference was in my opinion, amazing. I oh. mean, you know, um, there were individuals, I think the chair of the Senate of Foreign Relations Committee from the, the Munich you, Conference. Oh, which um, is an American. Who, yes, yeah, Robert yeah, Mendez, yeah, yes, yeah. that's right, he's American. So he was actually saying that, you know, he, he expressed his support for the for Iranians and he said that um, any anyone in the West who is still choosing to cooperate or to have conversations or anything with the Islamic Republic is actually tragically confused and doesn't understand mm. the difference between Iranians and the Islamic Republic. Speak to your, uh, your admin there in, in the U.S., Yeah, buddy. that's right, yeah, yeah. that's right. And then we had uh, Hannah Newman, who's a member of the European Parliament, and she's been, you know, she's vocalized her support for, for the revolution over the past couple of months. But there were a couple of things that she said that really stood out to me, is, um, actually, and one of the things was that she mentioned that as long as the regime kills its own people, we are not going to negotiate with them. So the fact that she actually voiced that... So who does she represent? <clears throat> she's a member of the European Parliament. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that she said that I actually... The European Parliament did actually pass the resolution That's to right. say... But the European Parliament... Uh, I, I wonder no, how... European uh, Parliament, yes, but yeah. European uh, Union. Union. No. Yes. The European Union is where the power really yes. is. Yes. So the par yeah, that's so why I, I don't even know what the European Parliament with respect because <laughs> I know that some of them have been great speaking yeah. out a great. I'm not sure what what well, dominion they have over anything. The, you know? I don't think it's a necessarily a matter of dominion. I think it's more so having these representatives say these things will allow others to open up their eyes and sure. to have you no. know it, it's a it's no a stepping I mean, very stone. much appreciated. Yes, yeah. I just uh, it doesn't seem to be shifting the. Uh, any any of the European countries to, to yeah. action. But to I mean, you know, I think we've said it over the last few months that all of these things have to happen in conjunction with each other and mm -hmm. it's not just one thing. So, you know, I, I'm it's perhaps maybe an still accumulation. hopeful. Yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, the other thing that she mentioned that I wanted to note is that um, she actually talked about the nuclear threat, which is something that we know has been, you know, at the forefront of many conversations. Mm -hmm. And so she said, the best way to get rid of the nuclear threat is to get rid of the regime. And so that was, again, something that I thought was... Well said. Well said, exactly. Uh -huh. um, By the way, do you feel like <coughs> the, the nuclear threat mm -hmm. is generating more conversation? I don't want to say conspicuously so, but maybe I'm implying that. Is generating more conversation these days than it, than it has been uh, up until now? Perhaps we'll see some negotiations. Is that what you're thinking? No, it's not. Well, well either that... 
like it's like we need to maybe it's it's being used mm -hmm. to as a as a pretext to we need to make a deal with Iran because the nuclear you know um, threat is getting looming closer or the opposite it's a pretext for some kind of intervention mm -hmm. like we you know it's like the Saddam Hussein you know right. uh, we've got to stop these 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 crazy tyrants you know that's a, it just seems like it's that come from both sides the mm -hmm. conversation is amping up um, and maybe there's maybe the, the reality is there's just more evidence that Iran is nefariously working on this stuff I don't know but. I mean I don't think there's been any evidence to show that they haven't been for gosh months now it, it's not even in <clears throat> the past five months it's even preceding that so but again like you said it is kind of conspicuous oh, interesting. Agree, yeah. Okay. yeah and also we have to not forget about the russia ukraine war so mm -hmm. and russia inside of iran and uh, we already knew that russia kind of uh, he it, russia is building the nuclear um, um, systems in iran so that's i mean that uh. kind of makes sense that's a good thing to not forget about. You're right. Yeah. Whew, yeah. Um, talking more about the that's it. But by the way, that's that's always a downer when we, when we're like, uh, I think we've isolated Iran except for <laughs> China and Russia, and <laughs> some of the other superpowers not to that mention, are supporting. You know. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, good to know. I think Iran has no friends left except for uh, <laughs> yeah. right. uh, some powerful friends for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, then when we were talking about the Munich Security Conference, um, I wanted to talk about some of the things that uh, Masi Aninejad and Reza Pahlavi mentioned while they mm, were there. So okay. uh, Masi expressed her concern over the lack of coordinated support for Iranian protest protesters in the community, um, in the international community, that is. Um, and she actually went on to say that, um, or she spoke on behalf of Iranians and said that we want the Western countries to announce their policy towards Iran and to isolate the regime the way they have with Russian, Russian President Putin. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things. And then uh, Reza Pahlavi discussed more uh, about his, uh, this is something that I think he said before, but uh, maximum pressure alongside maximum support. So mm -hmm. this, this notion of, you know, the West and the international community putting their maximum amount of pressure on the regime, but also mm -hmm. supporting the Iranian people. Um, so again, all of that was, I think, really, really great conversation coming out of something that, that he conference. said that I thought was great. Uh, that was he said uh, the the constitution of the of a new Iran mm -hmm. should be based on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Yes. What a, that that that's exactly what we need somebody to say mm -hmm. and, and what what needs to happen. I thought that was great. And uh, let me just say shout out to Massey Alanjab because she she her. Um, I don't know a boldness or drive. You know, is uh, sometimes is is really impressive because she's not afraid to. Switch to she made a video with Macron. Did mm -hmm. you see that? I did. I saw parts of it. And I think, she yeah. she kind of goes, "Come on, are you? You know, you're going to support." And I, you know, who knows how much official effect that has? Mm -hmm. You know, by putting him on video and getting Macron to go, "Yes, of course, I'll support democracy." Yeah. But. But it, it's impressive. It's not something that you necessarily see many others do. You know, Reza Pahlavi is not going to go up to Macron and go, "Come on, what yes, do you? Let's. True. I need an answer now." You know, and so it's good. It's it's you know having her on these front lines. You have these moments that mm -hmm. are that are like, "Wow, that's the president of France," yeah. and she's like she did with Trudeau too. You know, mm -hmm. she kind of does, and and it's it's good. It's strong. I mean, I, again, 
you know, then the, the president of France ends up shows up at holding a hands with exactly. the, you know Raisi yeah. or whatever it was. But but it's uh, um, I think these moments are important. They you know? are, and I mean the court of public opinion, right? The the fact that you know the international community sees these videos and then on the front line on the headline of news sees photos of that same president with the islamic republic all of that causes a stir and people talk about it more and all of that i think is helpful um speaking of um the spokesperson for the foreign ministry of iran also commented on oh. uh the munich security conference <laughs> okay. specifically on the yeah. fact that uh, reza pahlavi was invited uh-huh so they they said that he's not a fan oh <laughs> i mean are you, <laughs> what a shocker right yeah, yeah yeah um to quote him he said inviting the son of a deposed and fugitive dictator to the oh, munich conference boy. is a mockery of the great nation of iran well so his two cents yeah okay well that's not a surprise uh so um so the, these are, you know, these are things that it's interesting to me because, and we'll talk to some of the people inside Iran in a mm-hmm. few moments, because there it, there was a month or two where things really seemed to be dipping, you know, yeah. both in terms of street action and, and on the international stage, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, in the aftermath of uh, the, the anniversary of the revolution and the reaction to that, mm-hmm. and then people were out in the streets this past week in last Thursday or whatever it was yeah. in Iran, uh, and we're seeing all this activity in different parts of the world. It feels like there's a, you know, in, in that in that kind of dictum that that um, that idea that the revolution has steps and go and takes time and goes through different morphs into different moments. Mm-hmm. This this is all part of it, as you say. You know that. Definitely. And, and, you know, like you said, we are seeing that kind of spike again, um, even inside Iran. I mean, there was this viral video of that engineer. Um, that was amazing. That was the woman incredible. who took off her, everybody probably saw this, but it, describe it for those who yeah, haven't seen Yeah, so um, there was an annual assembly of the Tehran Construction Engineering Organization. Mm. And they were having some sort of, um, I guess, a meeting or, or yeah, I mean, an assembly. These are the people my dad would think are the most important people because they're <laughs> Mohandes, you know? Yes, uh, <laughs> a group of Mohandes, yeah. that's right. So, And this took place on the 17th. Um, and essentially what was happening is that um, it was an announcement of a new board of directors, if I'm not mistaken, and um, an individual by the name of Zainab Khazampur came on stage and she took the mic and what she actually said was that she made a statement and started criticizing the organization saying that you know there was discrimination and that um, you know what does this organization stand for when someone like her is not allowed to be on the board of directors because of improper hijab now she says all of this while having her scarf on her shoulders so she's not wearing a hijab at this point Mm. when she's on the stage saying this and then further to that she stomps off stage and throws her headscarf into yeah, the crowd. That was amazing. Moment. I mean, the and, show of bravery. And most of the crowd claps. That's right. Cheers yeah, for her, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was great. That was a great moment. But uh, do, what, do we know what happened to her? Because I haven't been following the... I haven't seen anything. And, and truly, since I saw that video, I've, I've just been watching out for this because I'm terrified for her. I mean, I almost expected that she's she, they be would be standing or, at the yeah. door for her waiting when she came off that stage. But yeah, they're I don't looking know. for her, but... Uh, I don't. I, I. I. don't think that they've detained her so far. They're looking for her. They're looking. She's for in her. hiding. I think so. Yes. Oh. Yes. But you know, it's interesting. Like, um, I don't know. It's if it's a, a good thing or bad thing. But it's just an observation that 
she took off her hijab and uh, everyone claps but they continue to the to their job you know yeah, and they cut her mic <laughs> after a certain point what do you mean they continue to so i mean uh, i mean i wish other people they had walked out or something other people also uh, they they yeah. raised their voice against this uh, mm-hmm. election but they just clap who and okay let's continue our mm. election and so yeah yeah i think she says something about that right about how if there is um com- complacency then and that's right before they cut her feed or her mic or whatever it mm-hmm. was i think mm-hmm. it was so she was actually getting to that i think but it's pretty it yeah it's pretty bold move badass yeah. yeah oh yeah uh anything else from the last few days you want to talk about uh no i think that's that covers it <laughs> so that's a lot yeah that's a lot that is. uh let's get to uh, we're gonna get to our voices from inside iran uh, we're going to go through a journey on four different places of Iran right now that we've got uh, people waiting to speak to us. So let's get to it. Thank you, Pega. Thank you. Thank you, Shia. And Thank let's you. start. What's that? Thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Shia. <laughs> formal. <laughs> Thanking each other. <laughs> uh, let's go, first of all, to um, uh, Gilan province. Let's go to the north of Iran. And um, a, a financial manager... Um, for the sake of this interview, we're going to call him Reza. He's been waiting on the line. And uh, let's begin our Voices from Inside Iran, part seven here with Reza in the north of Iran. Reza, are you there? Yes, uh, I'm here. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for uh, putting yourself out there by uh, speaking openly. Uh, 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 First and foremost, I guess, you know, uh, part of the reason I'm talking to you is I understand that you're someone who's been active in terms of this uprising, this revolution. Were you involved in the protests since since September and the killing of Massa Amini? Uh, frankly speaking, I've been in protest just a couple of times, maybe two, three times. Uh, I'm actually not really that kind of uh, brave guy. Uh, everyone has their own character, and my character is like uh, I'm just sitting and analyzing things and try to uh, publish what I think I find found out to the others. I see. Well, I don't think anyone would blame anybody outside of Iran cannot blame anybody in Iran if they don't want to go out in the streets. It takes an incredible amount of courage. It's it can be very scary. And even the fact that you went out a couple of times is um, speaks to your own uh, strength. When you say you're doing your part and you publish things, do you mean in social media? Yes. Okay. And so Tell me what your perspective is today, six months into this uprising, that some thought would go away after a few weeks, some thought is the absolute revolution that's going to be over soon. How would you describe the mood in Iran these days? Uh, You know, uh, as a matter of fact, there is something in uh, societies, uh, we call it as entropy. It's kind of energy, which is... Uh, being saved somehow uh, in, uh, in in the people in the society. So, uh, however, this entropy is arising. It's it it has to be a new equilibrium in 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 the in the society or economy or whatever. 
So uh, with with the size and variety of uh, unsatisfaction there is between people, this uh, revolution is not going to uh, go down anyway. But uh, of course, uh, we need to be realistic. So uh, people cannot be naturally be a twenty four hour soldier uh, fighting. Uh, like revolutionaries every day for a long period of time. Sorry, Reza, let me just let me just stop you for a second. When you say the revolution is not going to go down, you mean that the what what do you mean by that? I mean there is going to be a revolution. There is going to be a regime change. People are angry and uh unsatisfied and uh, sad with this uh regime we have, but the, we, uh, we cannot expect them to continue this for a long time as non-stop. I got you. So, I got you. Uh, and, and if I understand you correctly, then you are saying you you are not alarmed or upset that there isn't tons of activity in the streets, say, you know, every day uh, right now uh, or in the last over the last, say, month or two. You see this as part of a natural push and pull entropy, as you say, equi equilibrium of how this thing has to roll out and people are naturally pacing themselves. Is that what you would say? Exactly. You know, you know, it's it's just uh, like like the rest between two half times in a uh, soccer game, you hmm. know. It's 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 just that. But the thing that we have to notice in this path is that uh, the distance uh, b between every two movements are getting shorter and shorter. You know, because uh, the, there was a revolution, the, the the revolution which ended up in this Islamic regime. Then uh, it was like kind of peace for uh, a decade then then there was some movement there it was peace it happened after seven years in uh, 1377 I think and then it was peace 10 11 years later and now uh, from uh, 96 in uh, I, I'm mentioning the times in our calendar sure. yes uh, uh, since then, uh, it's been every year, then uh, every two years, then every year, yes. then every six yes. months. Yes. You know, it, it gets yeah. shorter and shorter. Yes. In terms of things um, becoming normalized, I mean, one of the debates that people are having in the Iranian community outside of Iran, with, for example, Noruz coming, is how much. Do we have the desire or appetite to be dancing and celebrating in Nowruz when, you know, we've just witnessed these executions and kids being killed and we know that that turmoil continues in Iran? Uh, how much um, is it disrespectful to be having parties at this time? Or on the other hand, should we be having those kind of events because that's exactly what the regime would not want us to do or not want Iranians to be involved in? What what is what are the conversations you guys have about that inside Iran? Okay, the the conversation is like the majority things. Uh, every piece of happiness is kind of betrayal to this movement or something like that. 
But uh, if you're asking my point of view, uh, I'd like people to have every kind of party they can when they can, you know. Uh, one of the reasons is people that people are disappointed and people will get disappointed when they are not reaching their goals at the checkpoints that they have made. So uh, when well, when people were, uh, you know, shouting out at social media that this weekend is going to be the last weekend of Islamic Republic mm-hmm. and then it, it wouldn't uh, accomplish, it would add some disappointment, sure, you know. Sure, Imagine someone uh, using using all kind of candies and, I don't know, fast food, and, and, and he says that I want to I wanna make a six-pack in a month, you know. Uh-huh. And then after one week of uh, having uh, fast and uh, having workout, He'll say that you know it's too hard. Let's forget about right, it. Right. You know, so 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 it's not realistic to ask people to to don't be happy and don't not having parties, etc., etc. Right. The the not being able to achieve the six pack is a realistic analogy for me. I understand that one. <laughs> but but would you say? I mean, I I totally get get what you're saying. Uh, um, I think perhaps early on when there was some. Uh, sense maybe hope that this would be a very quick turnaround that the, the regime would fall within a month or two uh, there was more appetite for kind of curbing uh, a a the normal um, rituals of life but over a period of time as you say that's just not tenable it's not possible to say okay everybody suspend everything you can't eat normally you can't work normally you can't uh, dress normally it's just not not realistic um how much do you follow what's happening outside of Iran in terms of all the activity in the diaspora, whether it's these uh, this so-called coalition or the big demonstrations in Toronto or Los Angeles or Brussels today? And how much how important is all of that to you? Uh, frankly speaking, uh, to 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 governments. Uh, I don't know if you're going to play that or not. Uh, To all the governments all over the world, uh, this relationship between the countries, it's all about money. Okay. Mm. So uh, they they would sell this revolution as soon as they could uh, if it was in their beneficiary. But uh, with these marches all over the world in Western countries, not now there are too much awareness between uh, their own citizens. So uh, the the public will not accept the uh, Western Western countries to have normal relationship with with this regime again, even though if it's uh, in their beneficiary the most. Even though uh, hypothetically it happens, they can't just easily do that. Mm-hmm. They can't just uh, announce that we are in good terms with Iranian Republic. It's mm-hmm. not that easy now. I think that's a that's you, those are very important points that you make. Do you? It is. Is it your sense that people inside Iran, or, or let me just ask you yourself, there seems to be a lot of excitement 
or enthusiasm, it seems, in the Iranian community outside of Iran for images like what we're seeing today. For example, there's a big demonstration in Brussels. And uh, mm-hmm. at the forefront, you, there's Hamid Ismailion and Ali Akhondi and uh, Masi Alinejad walking together. And I see people posting that and getting lots of likes. And um, is that something that uh, gets people energized and enthusiastic in your circles inside Iran as well? Or do you think that that's something that we're more interested in outside here? Uh, that's That's... Uh, a little bit complicated you know because uh, you know uh, for uh, someone who is betrayed will have trust issues you know so so a society who has been uh, who has experienced betrayed in their uh, trust will have trust issues Okay, so uh, there is no doubt that this movement needs uh, leadership, needs at least spokesmen, as, if not leadership, because uh, eventually uh, uh, all sides, uh, all parties needs to n- negotiate some terms at some point. Iranian regime, Western countries, uh, opposition—they they, they needed to know who are uh, they knew they need someone to talk to. So uh, this uh, gathering, that this uh, union between Hamid Ismailion and uh, Mr. Pahlavi and the others, is something good, something necessary, but. We can't blame people for uh, for not trusting them. Uh, however, uh, n- now now they are a group. They are more trustworthy than it was uh, than than when it was only Mr. Pahlavi. It's not it's not like that. I don't like him or I don't respect him. It's just it's just some some old experience, you know, because. Uh, if uh, if you have read uh, Mr. Khomeini's comments before the revolution, he was like, "Okay, I I want nothing. I'm going to go right, to Iran. Right. I go to Rome. I'm going to go to my school and teach my students." You know, but when he came, then he decided to do the otherwise. You know, so uh, to sum up the answer to your very good question is that uh, people knows that we need uh, leadership because there was this, uh, as I think, uh, wrong uh, idea that this revolution is unique because it has no leadership. And uh, I know that nothing will be done in no area, not, not a simple company with no leadership, you know. So uh, we, uh, I hope that most people, and I think that most people know that we need the leadership. And uh, now that they are a group, most people are open to them, are are, are accepting got them. It, got them. It. I understand. I, I, I that that was very well said. I get what you're saying. <clears throat> there was a there was a uh, a survey, a poll that came out um, three or four weeks ago from from what is said to be a a very legitimate uh, European polling firm that said Reza Pahlavi's support 
not just outside of Iran, but inside Iran, is at 70%. Uh, it's impossible for us to to test that in any sort of visual or, or you know, uh, empirical way because people obviously are not roaming around in the streets of Iran with photos of Reza Pahlavi. But it, do, do, does that make any sense to you? Do you would, you would you accept that there's that kind of support for him? Uh, I, uh, I, I honestly uh, don't know. I can't, I can't have any comments on that because I, I'm the kind of person who tries to be careful about what he says. So uh, since, since I have friends who thinks like me and social media's algorithm makes me match up with others who thinks like me, so I can only see people like me. So, so I can't say that because I am, I am seeing that ma- many people that those who are not very favorable to Mr. Pahlavi, uh, so that's right or wrong. You know, uh, I, I, uh, I'm sorry to say that. I appreciate your measured response, and I now believe for sure that you're a financial analyst. Uh, you, you definitely. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're 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 speaking with great nuance, and I appreciate that. What about what about the flip side, which is that? Um, and I I sort of ask everybody that uh, when I speak to do these voices inside Iran, because you know I think one thing that we've learned in the last five or six months was if there was any. Um, question or or confusion about whether there's a great deal of support for this <clears throat> current Islamic Republic regime. You know, I mean, going into this fall, there were people who would very openly say, well, you know, it's about half and a half in Iran. Half the country supports the regime, half the country doesn't. It doesn't seem like that's the case. This latest survey shows 15% support or less for the Islamic Republic regime. In your own experience, and with your nuance as a financial analyst, I know you're not going to say anything crazy here. But I mean, you know, is it do do you witness any support for the regime? And does it seem realistic to you that the support for the Islamic Republic regime is as low as 15 percent or less in Iran? Let's say that uh, Iran Iranian government has something like 7 million people on their payroll as employees to the government, okay? And uh, if you multiply that number to three uh, as their family members, that would be 21 million people. But still, I'd say that uh, from my own experience, I have never come to know uh, any anyone that who is a supporter of this regime never during my life wait wait a minute wait a minute let me clarify you're saying you have never encountered in your work or your personal life in the north of iran anyone that supports the regime uh i've never encountered someone personally uh working with or having uh any kind of relationship with that supports uh, this regime, even though when they were on their payroll, even though uh, even though when they're, they're cops, when they're judges, when they're uh, high-ranking officials, you know, they, they, they don't support this ideology. They are just, uh, they are just going on with 
whatever it is, you know, because it's in their uh, beneficiary to go on. So uh, I, uh, I will uh, think, uh, I think that uh, among those 15 persons who are supporters of the regime, uh, there would be uh, at least five to seven, eight persons, maybe more people who uh, are not, uh, uh, who, who are who, who don't trust surveys or uh, somehow they tout it's more safe to say that we support the You regime. think it's even lower. Right. You think it's even lower than that. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, so it's incredible. Uh, can I, I mean, uh, can, do you mind me asking how old you are? 33. You're 33. So you're saying yes. in 33 years... Of of living in Iran, uh, you've you've now, I mean, it's quite remarkable, really. I mean, this is a, this is a very important moment because I, I when, when, you know, you're you're inside Iran, you're living in a country, you're active, you have a um, a professional job. You're saying you have never encountered anybody who supports this regime personally. Yes, exactly. Wow. You know, and and, and uh, it's it was even one of my concerns, uh, which was was sharing in social media that uh, maybe if people threat uh, the the so-called passages or sepahi whatever threat them less maybe they will they will uh, have this revolution much easier you know because uh, if you have read the art of war it's one of my favorite book and uh, you know all strategic books in management is based on that book so uh, if if you've read that book it says that uh if you know that you are going to overcome to an enemy do not surround them leave them some way out so they will back off so you will you will accomplish uh, the you, you will uh you will achieve the land you want without any casualties on your part you know mm-hmm. but when you think, uh, when you put your foot to a passage issues, you know, you you will think that if, if this regime is gone, I will have no place to run. You know, it's not like uh, the the last right, regime. Right, they're the cornered. They're, they're, I, I understand. They're corn. If we corner them, they're gonna. They're like rabid animals. They can't. They they they're gonna fight back. As opposed to giving them a an out somehow. It's a. Uh, uh, exactly. it's, it's, it's the same strategy people talk about in terms of the the war in Ukraine. Find a find a way for Putin to get out of this so that he can uh, exactly. save face somehow. Right, right. Uh, Reza, I, can, I I must thank you very much for the for the time and for the thought that you put into the the answers. And um, uh, have you traveled much outside of Iran? Uh just a little bit. I think uh, I don't know ten, twelve countries. Oh, ten, okay, that's more than a little bit. You've tra- traveled. Your English is your English is very good. I mean, it's very. It's a. a, a you're a great credit to you that uh, you speak so well. And I, again, I, I, I thank you for your time. And I hope we get to talk again. Uh, uh, that would be vice versa. I, 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 that uh, it was an honor to be at your service, and uh, I was so glad to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Have a good night.
This is Rook, episode 240, Voices from Inside Iran, the seventh part of this series we do. And um, we are now going to go, is she ready? She is. We're going to go to Shiraz. And one of the brave frontline demonstrators that we've uh, we've spoken to before, she's in her 20s, she's a graphic artist, she courageously opts to use her real name in these interviews, which is Bekol. She is in Shiraz. Hello, Bekol, are you there? Hey, I'm here. How are you uh, doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm very happy to talk to you again. How, how have you been doing? Very, very different moods from the last time I talked to you. It was really tough days. It was really the worst days of my life. But it's finished now. It's better now. And everything is better now. Thank well, God. Okay, well, I'm curious to hear why you're saying that. You were very involved in protests. And at one point, you your friend was arrested. I'll ask you about her in a moment. I remember there was a lot of drama. When you say it's better now, are you still active in terms of demonstrating against the regime? Uh, you know... As you know, I think the, uh, I don't know, it's, I think it's kind of stopped or it's happening in the deeper levels that it's not in the streets, obviously, because it's nothing going on in the streets. So I have nothing to attend to. There's nowhere to attend to. But mm, I wish it was that, uh, and I wish I was attending actually but i'm not that's a pretty big deal because you were so involved before how would you describe the mood in shiraz these days Mm, everything is uh, i can't say normal because nothing's normal and we people we know it's not normal but uh, you know like a slept volcano you know how it seems like it's it's slept, but it's still out there. You know, like it's waiting for something to rage. Sure. It's the mood. This is uh, when I walk in the streets. This is the energy I'm feeling. This is the vibe that everybody are waiting for the smallest thing to blow up. I think to something like this. They are. Mm, they're hiding their anger, and their anger is getting bigger inside their hearts. But it's just below Something the surface, like is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, this is what I'm trying to say. Um, do you, but just uh, anecdotally, when you go out on the street, do you wear a hijab? <clears throat> no, definitely not. I, I throw all my hijabs out, and I even go to the university without hijab. I don't go to university now but if I have something to do there and I have to go there I don't wear hijab and mostly I got into a huge fight I get into a huge fight and it's nothing it's okay but I don't wear hijab who do you, what do you mean who did you get into a huge fight with yes they wouldn't for example they wouldn't allow me to enter my university's building can you imagine that? Because well, I'm I can't. I can't imagine that because that's part of the the whole issue of uh, living in Iran, right? I mean, this, this yeah, is. Yeah, but after everything we've gone through, after everything that happened, how could they tell me that you're not wearing the correct hijab? How hmm. dare they? I can't imagine, and I I don't care about them. I honestly, I don't care about them, and I just do what I have to do. They are gonna speak anyway. 
they're gonna say these things. Th this is the back all I remember. So do you? <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask you this: Would you say? I mean, given that you're walking around Shiraz right now, defiantly, you've threw away all your rusatis, your 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 headscarves, your hijab. Would you say that the ground has significantly shifted? In other words, things are different today in terms of the way you live your life and the way you walk around the streets than they would have been, say, last summer? It's, yes, definitely different. Uh, I didn't wear hijab. Honestly, a lot of times they were always around my neck. But uh, I see a lot of people who are wearing their hijab around their neck. Mm. For example, last year, if there was, for example, 10 out of 100 of us, now it's, I don't know, 80 out of 100, mm. something like that. Right. And I don't feel alone somehow. <laughs> right, well, it sounds like you're not alone. But, but you know, one of the things that people are concerned about is that these little changes or some some of these things shift i mean um certainly you know based on and and thanks to the defiance of of young women like yourself in iran but but even though these but 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 when these things shift then people get a little complacent and go okay well things have changed a little bit and then there's not as much need to to overthrow the regime there's not as much need for a revolution um, that would be the concern. We are still, we still have the problems with our regime. It wasn't only hijab. I still don't have enough money to be calm for almost a week. This is my problem with this regime. Because I have every problems with this regime. How can yeah. I say it? Yeah. Every fucking problem with this regime. You know, I quoted you last week uh, because... Um, you know, I, I told the story of how I once asked you, um, what do you most want to do? What do you most want from a free Iran? Expecting that you would come. Yeah. Now, you know, that it's the opening for you to come back with some, some massive declaration of, you know, uh, um, human rights and, or a new constitution or, or women's rights or something. And you said, I just want to walk my dog. And it was so, it was so powerful because that kind yeah. of basic human right that, I mean, people here can, can't even conceive of a situation where they're not allowed to walk their dog. Uh, and, and, it's, yes, and it's heartbreaking. They never had to deal with this kind of drama. They never had this extra drama, these energy zombies. They're like energy zombies. They suck all of our positive energies from a lot of different ways. This is the tiniest way. Thank God they never have to deal with something like this. Yes, yes. So when you say, with your volcano analogy, when you say things are bubbling just beneath the surface, there's ang anger there. What do you feel like people are waiting for? I don't know. They feel like they we are powerful, but we need to get more powerful. We need to get more simply just we need to get more more people and more powerful because you saw how it's going through how it's going they are killing children and we are in bare hands you know we are kind of i don't know i don't want to say this out loud but sometimes i think i feel a little bit weak against them and maybe a lot of other people feel the same way feel the same i feel right now mm. 
and maybe they need to feel about a, a bit more powerful or they need to believe that we are powerful enough i don't know exactly but we we need something that i don't know what exactly it is but we need it how much do you feel like the th- things calming down or at least not being on the streets in terms of the big numbers etc that we saw in in say october i mean some of this is a we is obviously people get tired and you have to pace yourselves you can't you know but but how, how much of this would you say is based in fear is based in the way the regime has cracked down on people and executed I and all of that? maybe it's a little bit fear but um for example the year 98 about 98 it was the fear was heavier, but now the fear is not that much heavy. But um, let me tell you something. Uh, in uh, Revolution Year Fifty Seven, there were they, it wasn't always crowd in the streets shouting down for the dictator. That's true. You That's know? true. Yeah. It was the crowd then. Uh, there wasn't any crowd then for example a few months later something else happened i think it's a process of revolution because they've been here for 44 years they are they are bad bad devil creatures that their roots are so deep we are we are destroying the roots, but it's a long process. I yes, think. You're, you're and very, you're we very are right. in the process. That is what history shows that no revolution happens literally overnight. You part of the reason I ask about fear is I remember that it was your friend Dana. You guys were, I think, together, and she got arrested, and it kind of became quite a story. I mean, we heard about her. She 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 was one of these people that ended up doing a forced confession, and I I think she's out of jail now. If I'm if you I'm correct, but it does someone like for her tell us first of all a bit about that experience. Like what what was it like when she was finally released for you? Um. Okay, it was definitely hell. I can't describe it even correctly but seeing her with her eyes closed with her with that ugly brown scarf and sitting there saying the things that they wanted her to say it was killing me because i know her i know how her heart works how her brain works and how her tongue works how she speaks how she thinks I know this and seeing her saying that things really killed me. And when I talked to her when she got out, I don't know if she really meant this or not, but she said I I asked about you when I was there. I knew how are you? I know how my mom is. But I this is what she said, but she thinks that it was harder for us outside because we didn't know what she was doing we didn't know if she was tortured if she's being hit if she's having a stomachache a headache she's sad she's crying we didn't know what she's doing and this not knowing was killing us and for her it was i i can't imagine what she gone through does she when i ask about fear i mean has this 
that experience created the conditions where she, for example, doesn't want to speak out anymore, doesn't want to demonstrate, doesn't want to be, you know, as active as she would have been a few months ago? Um, a little bit, yeah, but I think this is what it, I think this is natural because you know what she's been through and she being she being terrified of these people, I think she's right. But I'm not. Maybe because I wasn't in that situation. I'm not. I was shouting in my alley today alone with my dog in the morning, shouting in the streets alone. What, what, Again, were, you what were you shouting? Down for the dictator, woman, life, freedom. Really? I you you went out in the street by yourself this morning and and screamed Marbag Dictator? <laughs> yes, but not in the streets, in my alley. What's the what does it mean in my alley? Is that right outside your house? Yes. I yes. see. In my neighborhood. Uh-huh. How does your dog react when you're screaming like that? My dog first stopped. He looked at me for a second <laughs> and then she kept walking. <laughs> I think he She's like tell herself. Yeah. I think he told himself what a crazy mom I have. Right. He's God used to like, mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let, let, let me ask you this because I was just asking our our previous guest who, who was in the north of Iran, uh, you're further south. I, you know, I was asking him about the, a lot of people, a lot of us in the Iranian community around the world are confused a little bit about how we should be dealing with, for example, Noruz coming up, whether we should be having parties, whether we should be allowing ourselves to... I mean, even if we have the, a lot of us don't even have the, the, the feeling for it, but if we, even if we do to, to, to party or to dance or whatever, or is that somehow disrespectful or somehow, you know, not the right way to act at a time when, you know, Iran is still under the hold of this regime and kids have died and people have been executed. What is it like for you inside Iran? Do you, do you feel the pressure to not party somehow, or do you think that that's another way of defying the regime? What What do you guys uh, say to each other? I'm going to say my totally personal opinion. Me, myself, I never really loved Noruz. I never really understood this excitement about Noruz. I didn't really get it. But um, these days, not these days, a few years ago till now, I've been studying uh, astrology and I learned that only the Shamsi calendar is the correct calendar of the zodiac, okay. not the other ones. And this is because the Aries is starting and this is the correct beginning of the new circle of the horoscopic terms. And I think it's a new energy that we are celebrating. But, but, in, but, but what about in general? In general, forget the spring equinox, forget Noruz, just in general, if on a Friday night you see that there's people, I mean, I'm just curious to get your feeling about whether you whether you mind that or whether you, it doesn't make any difference to you if people are uh, like, you know, there are, there are a lot of people who feel like people need to not be too happy or enthusiastic at a time like this. What, what do you feel about that? Yeah, not too happy but what is in sitting in crying it's is it helping anyone no so we should at least get our energies correct because we are all connected at least with crying and just being sad and doing nothing 
nothing is going to work. Nothing is going to get better. And we are kind of letting zombies sucking our energies. With being sad, we are feeding zombies. We are giving them our good feeling. We are giving them our positive energies with being sad. So what's the point in being sad? It's not changing anything. So let's do something that changes something. Gotcha. For example, let's focus on the energy of the people who are fighting against the Islamic Republic and let's think about them and just dance. All right. Get our hearts connected to them and I don't know, stare at the clouds, hmm. stand in front of the sun, I don't know. Do something that makes us feel good and get our hearts connected to let others feel good. I got you. sadness is not going to help anyone. I got you. So if as somebody who, um, uh, a, a young woman who's in Shiraz who went out into, into her alley this morning and screamed death to the dictator with her dog, um, and who feels, you said earlier in this, in our chat today, feels somewhat alone sometimes. How much do you follow, Behagol, what's happening outside of Iran? How much do you follow these big demonstrations that are happening in these big meetings of opposition people and 80,000 people in LA and in Toronto and in Brussels today? Do you follow that stuff? And if so, does it affect you? Does it make you happy? Does it in inspire you? Or does it really not make that much of a difference? It does. It really inspires me. But when I see my own country being crowded, I feel more inspired. But they are still our people. They are still with our hearts. And I, I, I like it. And I get kind of like someone supporting us, this kind of feeling. And I don't say it's not useful. It is useful because we've come so far. Imagine five months ago, we've never thought that we can come this far. Yes. But we did. And this is all tiny steps for that big event. These are all tiny steps. These are all tiny drops that make our cup full. Got you. How much do you and your your friends, your circle, talk about leadership and different leadership candidates. And I mean, there's a lot of talk in the Iranian community outside of Iran about who we're supposed to support and whether we want a coalition or whether we like Reza Pahlavi or Masih Al-Najad or Hamid Ismailiyoun or how, how much do you guys talk about that? Mm, actually, we don't talk about it because me personally, I don't have a lot of information to talk about this. But I don't want the same shit to happen again. I just don't want this. I how would, want how would the same shit happen again? Tell us. The same shit would happen again if another dictator in another costume comes to us. Another one who wants only the best for themselves. We don't need them because they separate themselves from us. Something like we are not one. We need something who thinks that we are really one, who look at us like they look at their own families. You know what I'm talking about? The person who is among us, between us, the person who is us. This kind of person should lead us. This kind of person can be our, vo our voice. But I don't have enough information about people who are able to do this. Is there anybody in you particular know? inside Iran that inspires you that you think 
wow, I wish this person would emerge as one of our our real leaders? Yeah, my father. <laughs> oh. The only person I adore, kind of, my father. But no. Is he will is he willing to take over the leadership? I mean, maybe he's <laughs> for me. Yes, for the country, I don't think so. Huh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, really, I don't know anyone. I'm just so confused in this subject. This subject, I'm really confused. I don't know anything about it. I just don't want the same shit to happen again. When you said, um, I was going to, I've been asking people, I want to ask everybody today what, before I let you go, what, what kind of evidence you see that the regime uh, in Iran has any support amongst the people. Um, I, I'm assuming that most people, <laughs> nobody in your direct circle is a, a fan of this uh, Islamic Republic regime. But when you said you go out and you get into fights, is that with people who, because well, you're not wearing your hijab, is that with people who are actively supporting the regime? Or is that with some sort of a Basij person saying you're wearing your scarf the wrong way? Mm, no, I don't think the, pe the people who um, say these things to me are supporting the regime, I think. They are scared of the regime and they are just doing what they've been told like a robot. They, I don't think that they believe in this. The people who still believe in this are, I think, very, very tiny amount, very tiny. Do you see any of those people? Do you ever, do you meet people who support the regime? Mm, no, not really. I haven't seen anyone who supports the regime for. I don't know, a lot of time, more than months, maybe years. No, not, no, not three years. A lot of months, many months. I haven't seen anyone who supports the regime. Let me ask you a final question. You know, we started this conversation. I was saying, how are you doing? And you said, actually, I'm doing really well. I was, I was feeling like I was in hell before. Um, and you were referencing the time when you were demonstrating a lot and uh, you aren't now. Some people would interpret that as to say that you you think things are okay or they've gotten better in Iran. And yeah, uh, um, so I don't want to give you a chance in case anybody misunderstands that. I mean, how, how are you still hopeful that there will be that this revolution sees its way through in the coming months or year or or are you more okay with the things the way things are today? than you would have been four months ago? No, I will never be okay until the Islamic Republic will fall. But I think, as I told you, the revolution is a long way. And we are doing it. It's a slow process. It's really hard. It's a slow process. But we are in the process. And... I want nothing more than our freedom. I want nothing more than this. And the day that they are gone is my birthday, I think. Um, I will be rebirthed for the second time. Well, uh, <laughs> and you'll know exactly what that means on that date because you're an astrologer now. Yeah, I don't know when that day will be, <laughs> but maybe around 2024, something like this. Hopefully sooner than that. Um, I, I really always 
uh, like speaking to you. It's it's really insightful. Uh, you have a great energy, and you have you know you're you you are incredibly brave uh, for what you've done in the past and what you continue to do. You use your real name. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this, and stay in touch. Okay. Thank you. It means a lot. Bye bye. Take care. Good night. This is Rook, episode 240, The Uprising Voices from Inside Iran. All right, let's go to Tehran. And my next guest is a film director and musician in Tehran who's been very active in protesting and activism in Iran since September and is still doing so. Uh, we will go now to Som, which is his real name. It's good to have him back on. Som, are you there in Tehran? Hey, yes. Hey, sir. How, how are you? It's nice to talk to you again. Thank you so much. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm I'm happy to hear your voice. I, so I mean, where we left off, you know, <laughs> the last time we spoke to you, you were attending protests. Uh, you you had talked about how things were migrating from um, major street protests to what you called a kind of a street war, like a, um, and more of a tactical battle on the streets. Um, and then, of course, uh, that was probably two or three months ago, the last time we spoke to you. So first of all, are you still actively involved in the uprising? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how would you describe uh, the mood in Tehran these days, in a nutshell? Um, I think it has um, shifted. So it's become more like a traditional way of protest, which is like once a month which was actually the same like in the 2009 protests too like i think that's how most protests around the world go when it comes to revolutions that it's like once a month or at most twice a month uh but i think that's what has happened in the winter so there was one in january one in february and now we'll see how it goes Sam, would you say that that slowing down or different pacing of the protests is reflective at all of a change in attitude? Are people, was there, have you noticed the cross section of people sort of going, giving up or going, okay, well, it didn't happen this time or, or, or is it reflective of a more pacing yourselves strategy somehow? I think it has caused this way of thinking that, oh, everyone has gone home. Um, but I think the, this sense of this feeling of hopelessness is actually creating itself. Because I think uh, being in the streets every day, like for 70 or 90 days, uh, that was, I think, the exception. Uh, but I mean, the good thing was that it was uh, very damaging for the government. It was like, um, it created a lot of momentum. But the negative of that was that once the movement became like once a month or twice a month, then people started thinking that, oh, what if this is the end? Uh, but, but I think realistically, this is how uh, most of revolutions go. There, There is a narrative that says, and I, I think this is shared by 
maybe some of my family and friends in Iran who um, maybe were out early on at some of the protests and have basically said the extreme crackdown, uh, the detention, the, the torture, and then, of course, the, some of the executions uh, that have taken place by, by the regime, at the hands of the regime, has created a chill, has, has naturally created this uh, this um, situation where there are people afraid to go out more so than they would have been, say, in September or October. Do you believe that's true? Um, I mean, I, I, we are all in our own bubbles, so I'm not completely sure. Uh, but I think because the crackdown was harsh from the like first day, from day one, a lot of our friends were uh, arrested like in the first week or two. Um, and still it went on for 90 days at least, nonstop. That questions this narrative a little bit because if it was people being afraid of being in the street, then why did it go on for so long after they cracked down? Mm -hmm. And even after the execution, still it went on for, I think, 20, 30 more days after the executions. When um, you say everybody's in their own bubble, what, which bubble are you in? How would you describe your bubble? Um, I mean, in terms of attitudes, because people like, like learn what's happening in the streets from each other, from the people they know. Um, I, I have people who who uh, think that maybe uh, people are scared and are not coming out, but most people I know uh, are hopeful because, like, um, even the once in a month uh, movements that people go in the streets, uh, those are still like widespread in Iran, and those are like almost every uh, neighborhood in Tehran. So, like, one of them was uh, a week ago right yep uh thursday yeah and that one was uh, almost every neighborhood in tehran and a lot of cities in iran so because those one days are still uh, very large uh, and impactful i think um there are people who are still very hopeful yeah, and I, I, I should caution, I guess, myself and both of us uh, to, to not be too Tehran-centric, although I'm asking you about Tehran, uh, in our thinking. I guess if you were in Zahedan, if you're in Balochistan or if you're in Kurdistan, you, 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 you'd be less likely to say the protests have calmed down or have, you know, are, are happening yes. once, once a month. Do you guys in Tehran follow what's happening in those other regions? And do you think those those protests, say the ones that we see out of Sistan uh, Balochistan, do they have any impact on people in Tehran at this point? I think so, yeah. I think they remind us, they're one of the reasons that uh, we don't think of it as a negative thing necessarily because they're, they're keeping the movement going and we know that, okay, it's still out there. People in their homes are still uh, a part of this uprising. So I think that's what's keeping people hopeful. Sam, we hear so much about the dire state of the Iranian economy, um, the, the currency in free fall, yep. the, the, the inflation in skyrocketing, the, 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 the horrible situation when it comes to the economy. Do you, as somebody on the ground there, do you, how, how does that intersect with 
uh, the revolution? Does it does it sort of take people's minds away from we need to replace this regime and right now we have to f- focus on you know getting milk and eggs somehow, or does it actually amplify the desire to want to change this regime from your from your viewpoint? I know you, you can't do this as a social scientist with with an yeah. empirical study, but I'm just I'm curious what you feel about that. If anything, it will amplify the uprising because it's gone so far that like um, people, it it can't uh, realistically take people's mind off the government because when you can't buy uh, the things you need anyway, uh, it, it, something like this can't like take your mind off uh, the government. It will actually focus your mind on the fact that uh, this government is not a sustainable way of living. Yes. Can I ask you about your view on the, all of the activity outside of Iran? I'm going to ask you about some of the uh, the coalition type conversations and leadership conversations. But first and foremost, you know, when you see the the big rallies continuing in places like Toronto, the huge one that was in Los Angeles uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm assuming you see it in, on social media or whatever. Um, yeah. w- w- what impact do you believe that has right now for people inside Iran? I think it makes us more hopeful and shows us that there are a lot of other people uh, who are capable of raising their voice, who are willing to do so. Um, and I think the best they can do is this, to reflect the voice of people inside. Uh, and I think in that sense, it does inject a positive uh, attitude towards the people inside. Okay. There is a a preoccupation, uh, I, m- I might even say an obsession with um, with in the Iranian, global Iranian community, especially outside of Iran, about leadership and who's going to be the, who needs to be the spokespeople and who needs to oversee a transition and who are the leaders. And, and it, I, I say that in a somewhat uh, perhaps a, a cheeky way, but I think some people are coming at this in a very honest way where they think, you know, mm-hmm. nothing can change if we don't have some guidance and we need people who to be the official spokespeople to other nations and leaders and all of that. Is there, from your standpoint, as much conversation inside Iran about leadership as there seems to be outside? I think there is. I think there is serious uh, conversation about this stuff because um, because everyone, I mean, on the social media is talking about it, and because people have experienced the previous revolution and how. if one person takes over, uh, the revolution can completely change its course and become the opposite of what it's supposed to become. Um, so I think people are cautious about that. And um, I think it's not a bad conversation to have and it's not a bad um, thing that people are cautious and people think about uh, who who is trying to lead and is anyone organically becoming the leader of the revolution or do we need to um, talk about the transition team before the revolution, a revolution succeeds because usually after revolution succeeds, then the transition team uh, starts to uh, form. Uh, but I think just uh, having these conversations um, can be very helpful. Uh, yeah, I think it's not necessarily 
negative or positive. It just depends on how that conversation goes. If like people are fighting over it or if people are just learning and uh, trying to be cautious about the future. Uh, but I think uh, in itself, it's not a bad thing. It's it's interesting. You're the second person in a row now who's uh, talked about caution uh, that people have in in Iran. Uh, uh, the the last guest we spoke to was in the north of Iran. He he was saying, you know, uh, after years of betrayal uh, from, from different um, uh, leadership, etc., of what people are saying, at least we're we're um, trepidatious about uh, wanting to jump into supporting anybody. Um, we we just had a. An academic, uh, um, an author on last week, Dr. Fatali Mokadam, who has written a new book uh, called Political Plasticity. And his message that he's sort of been honing for years uh, is one that maybe a lot of Iranians uh, who are particularly enthusiastic right now about regime change would not would not want to heed. But I mean, he you know he sort of talks about the swing towards authoritarianism in general in the 21st century in countries around the world, and says realistically, most re- any revolutions that we can look at, especially in recent decade, recent you know years, have not resulted in democracy, and oftentimes result in a continuity of authoritarianism so you go from one form of dictatorship to another things change on the surface but you know you end up in the sort of same place with respect to freedom and democracy is that is uh, you know it's not the it's not the most heartwarming message but is that the kind of thing yeah. that that you 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 think about or talk about with your other uh, i i ask you this as as somebody who's not just somebody sitting in iran but somebody who's been an activist for in this in this revolution and therefore must have contemplated this kind of thing what do you have to say about somebody who does that kind of analysis and comes and says look at the the chances are not great we have to really work at this to actually for this to end up in a good place like democracy yeah, I think that's exactly the kind of analysis that um, we need because it is true. Like, it's very easy to find the data on that and figure out that like almost no revolution, like more than ninety-five percent of the revolutions lead to another dictatorship, and we have already tried that once. But when a government proves to its people that there's no way they're going to accept change. There's no way they're going to change uh, and move even like the slightest bit towards a democracy. Then when people are sure of that, a revolution happens, whether we want it or not. And I think these conversations are necessary to have. It is important to know that um, the chances, the experiences of people around the world about revolutions why those movements have not ended in democracy as the people wanted and try to at least uh, avoid those um, pitfalls. What do you think of the the coming together of some of these prominent, um, um, I don't know what we call them, public figures, opposition leaders or what, um, so Reza Pahlavi and Masi Al-Nijad and Hamina Smailiun and um, Ali Karimi and others uh, do is that something that you have a lot of enthusiasm for? Um, I think 
I think that also is like one of those things that it is not necessarily um, positive or negative. I mean, it is positive that it is uniting a lot of people, at least outside Iran and a lot of people inside Iran too. But I think if we are not um, realistic about the things that can be done outside Iran, uh, then we're going to just be disappointed or... What do, you, what, what do you mean by up, that? What do you mean by realistic about the things that can be done outside of Iran? Uh, because I think the the actual revolution uh, will happen inside Iran. Uh. Otherwise, it's not going to be a revolution. I mean, if if actually people, um, the other governments intervene more than a certain amount, it's gonna it's not going to be an actual revolution. Uh. I guess it would be a regime change. Uh, so. Realistically, a revolution happens inside. If there are just, if that group of people do their best to support us, to make sure other governments are not supporting our government in uh, cracking down on us, that's extremely positive and that's great. Because I think the revolution happens inside Iran. Either the fact that they're not going to be able to lead the revolution inside is going to disappoint us, or worst case scenario. If they actually do try to be the leaders of the revolution, it might end up like being like the previous revolution and Khomeini and like just making a leader for a leaderless gotcha. uh, revolution. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it, it will take us one step closer to potential uh, dictatorship in the future. It's a really, it's a really good point. It's a, it's perhaps a simple one when you actually think about it. But it's a good point that as much as we can get excited about eighty thousand people in Los Angeles on the streets, you know, uh, that isn't actually the revolution. That that's a, that's those of us in the diaspora. Um, aspiring to to try and help you you know make it make a difference uh, yeah you guys are doing the work inside Iran and that is where it's going to ha- have to take place that said we hear about surveys or you know sentiments that that there is a lot of popularity of someone like Hamda Smailion or Massey or Reza Pahlavi in, inside Iran um, is there not yeah I mean there there is there is popularity inside Iran. I mean, because there's no like uh, free polls for us to figure out uh, how much this popularity actually is. Um, we don't know exactly, but yeah, of course, like people like Ali Karimi and Goshifte, they're celebrities. They do have a lot of um, fans, and also people like Massey uh, have worked a lot. Uh, in previous years, they have. She has a lot of influence on people, and she is a very well-known activist. Uh, Esmailium, because of what he has done in the past, at least like five years, he he is very well known. He's a very well-known activist too, and Pahlavi because he's the son of the previous Shah, so he is also very well known. But um, how the weight of popularity? I don't think. I, I mean, I'm not sure. Like I have. I can only uh, see my friends and the people I know around me, and um, some of them are more more popular than other. Uh, when it comes to uh, leadership, I think people are more cautious, even if like they do have a positive opinion of uh, these uh, group of people outside. Uh, when the topic goes to leadership, then they become more cautious because uh, I guess, and I think. That is a positive 
caution to have. That is a good caution to have because um, being an activist uh, won't hurt us in any way, but becoming a leader of a revolution, then that can hurt us if gotcha. uh, it's not where we want to go. Gotcha. Let me, let me end off by asking you about the sentiment about the regime in Iran because um, – uh, some something that I got really upset about that I did a, a an opening essay about last week was that in the coverage of the Bistodo Bahman of the the demonstrations, let's call it, or um, the spectacle, uh, um, the regime sponsored uh, uh, demonstrations um, to mark the anniversary of the 1979 revolution a, a, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the coverage in the in the West, and particularly, I, I pointed out that in the Financial Times, it said, "Look at all these people in the streets in Tehran," and um, this shows that the regime has regained the confidence of the public uh, in Iran. That's absurd. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you'd be hard pressed to find an Iranian anywhere in the fucking world who, to, who would agree with that sentiment, uh, except perhaps the writer and some of the people who, you know, have an agenda of some kind. I, I don't quite understand it. But with that said, as somebody who is there, what did you witness? Uh, on that anniversary and do you see um because i as i pointed out in my essay that you know that would have been the day that would have been the day for the regime to strut its stuff and bring millions of people in the streets what did what did we actually see in tehran on that day i i think it was very underwhelming um and i think because they have been doing this show like for so many years now like we already know that okay you can look out outside your window and see there's like maybe 500 people and then look at the same location on tv and see them showing like millions of people uh they use archival footage a lot of times you can actually people actually in the days following figure out the actual date of that archival footage sometimes they're so sloppy in this show that you can actually see the dates of the archival footage in their footage. Sometimes they use the same archival footage for like three different cities at the same time, which is very funny. Um, I think for the people who actually do want to know what's going on, it's pretty easy to figure out like when it's real and when it's uh, archival footage, whether we like it or not. For example, for um, like 10 years or no, five years ago, like for Qasem Soleimani's uh, ceremony, there were there were a lot of people, whether we like it or not, right. and it wasn't archival. Um, but for um, the anniversary of the revolution, the 79 revolution, um, you can see there's actual like phone footage of people filming them and it's really underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Do do you the gentleman I was just the young guy I was just speaking to who's in a city in the north of Iran before we came to you, he he was saying it's at the point where he lives that uh, first of all he said he's thirty three years old and he's never met someone he's a financial analyst he said he's never met someone personally in his life who supports the regime which I just thought was was astounding uh, you know but but he he was saying that. 
you wouldn't meet someone at this point either because people, if you actually did support the regime, you couldn't go out in the streets where he lives and actually say it. People would, you know, not have it, you know. Is that true in Tehran as well? I mean, I don't. I think it's less true than any other city in Tehran because Tehran is a, such a big city that no one knows like each other that much. So you can um, go around and say that you support the regime and still not have a lot of negative consequences. But I imagine that in smaller cities uh, that is true, and I know for a fact that like somewhere in Zahedan that is true that. Uh, if you wanna, uh, if you do actually support the government, it's not very easy these days to say it out loud because uh, everyone knows each other in those cities. Uh, a final question, I, as ever, I, I so appreciate your your intellect and your you know your your perspectives that you educate us with when we uh, get in touch with you. Thanks for doing this again. And yeah, you're one of those guys who does it bravely with your, with your own name too. It's uh, you're, you're a courageous guy. Um, some, would you, you know, if you were to tap into how you're feeling uh, and back to those first conversations that we had in September and October and November, uh, where are you at in terms of your, your hopes for, um, a happy ending, if you will, of, of, of where where this this uprising is going with respect to the the prospective end of the 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 regime in Iran and real change. Um, I mean that that is a very difficult question to answer. Um, in terms of like if we define our success as the regime going. Uh, I think I'm still, I think the same amount hopeful of that as, uh, as I was like back in October, I think it takes time. And I think because of that, like 90 day streak, I think now people are coming to the terms that it will take time. Our government does have enough money and enough, uh, support, uh, even if minority support, it does have enough support to go on for longer but i think um it is it seems to be inevitable for it to happen because uh, the majority of people uh, obviously don't want the government and they are willing to uh, say it out loud too and i think that shows that it is it is going to happen but if the question is first of all when it it's going to happen is it going to be too late in terms of where we are financially and in terms of our environment, because um, they are doing a lot of damage to the country. And uh, it might be too late to save uh, this country if it's like happens in three, four years. I don't know. I mean, other people should attest to that. But in terms of the timing and also in terms of what comes next, um, I'm trying to be optimistic, and I think everyone uh, in Iran and in the diaspora uh, are trying to make sure that um, if the change happens and when the change happens, it's going to be for the better, and I think that's the best we can do. Sam, thank you for this as ever. No problem, no problem. Bye-bye. Bye.
This is Rook, episode 240. And now let's go to a city in the north of Iran and a, a painter who's been very involved in the protests. We've spoken to her actually once before. I think she was she had just been arrested, if I recall, the last time we spoke to her. Uh, for the purposes of this interview, we will call her Marjan. Marjan, are you there? Hello. Yeah, I am here. Hi. Good to talk to you again. How uh -huh. are you? How are you doing? Uh, thank you. I'm okay. Um, Marjan, John, the last time we spoke to you, you had been arrested. Mm -hmm. Are you Are you still getting bothered by authorities? Uh, yeah, they um, call me uh, with um, unknown number and sometimes <laughs> and check my uh, Instagram page. And and when they call you, what do they say? فقط میخوان مثلا در حال مثلا در حد تذکر و ایناست حالا خیلی هم جواب نمیدم چطوری میدونی مثلا که وقتی که when they when they are checking your instagram how do you know how do you know it's them هستن که متوجه شدم اونا هستن که همشون یه توی بایوشون مثبت 18 داره و من اینا رو یه دور بلاک کرده بودم و بعد دفعه بعد که رفتم نگاه کردم دیدم همشون پرچم ایران شدن در صورتی که دفعه مثلا همینطوری می اومدم پیجم رو نگاه میکردم ولی بعدش طرفدار حکومت شده بودن واسه همین حواستم هست و نگاه میکنم استوریا رو کی میبینه و اینا Do you think that they do this to scare you so that you won't continue to protest? Is that the idea? Yes. Is it working? Do they, are you scared? Does it prevent you um, from going? Do you, do you stay um, silent because they're doing this? Um, that's a leader. الان وقتی یکی رو میگیرن دیگه در اومدنش یعنی آزاد کردنش دیگه اصلا خیلی عجیب غریب میشه واسه همین نه اینکه بترسیم یا کوتاه بیایم اما فکر میکنم مدل مخالفت کردن یک کمی عوض شده چطوری عوض شده؟ مثلا چون جمعیتی هم که یه تایمی خب خاموش شده بود واقعا همه چی انگار آروم شده بود یکم هم همه ناامید شده بودن ولی دوباره انگار مثلا داره به جوش میاد ولی چون تو خیابون اومدن کمتر شده اینا همه سعی میکنن یه کمی مخفیانه تر همه کاراشون رو انجام بدم مثلا الان شعار نویسی خیلی زیاد تر شده um, baby, let me just finish asking you about the being arrested um, it sounds like you're saying حتی وقتی که آزادت میکنن آزاد نیستی یعنی they, they keep reminding you that you're somehow on their list huh? درسته یه تعهدی یه تعهدی دادی که اگه تکرار شه هی مرحله مرحله بیشتر میشه دیگه دفعه بعد اگر بگیرنت مثلا زندان داره وقتی که میگی که یه کمی آروم شده بود 
Um, do, mm-hmm. do, do you do you get did you ever get the sense that the the, the uprising, the inqilab, the revolution that the has has died, or does it does it just has are people still very much in terms of your friends, the people you see, very much looking to change this regime but they're finding alternative they're finding other ways to do this instead of just street protests نه بود بله خب فکر میکنم که خاصیت همه انقلاب ها همینطوریه دیگه نمیشه که توی یک ماه یا دو ماه همچین اتفاق بزرگی بیفته و شاید مردم به یه تایم استراحتی احتیاج داشتن نه اینکه هیچ کاری نکنن ولی انگار مثلا تایی داره مدلش عوض میشه الان همین که دنیا متوجه شده و الان همینی که تو مونیخ دعوت نشدن همین خب از همون اولش اینا سرچشمه میگیره دیگه شاید مدلش داره عوض میشه ولی اینکه نه خاموش شده نه مرده That's perfect. I actually want to ask you about um, Munich and and what's happening outside. Um, But first of all, let me ask you a general question, Marjan. How would you describe the mood in Iran these days? I mean, you know, when we were talking to people two or three or four months ago, they would say uh, um, people are angry, people are sad, um, people want change. There has been some conversation recently where they say, everyone's back to normal, life is going on as it was before in Iran. How would you describe the mood? خیلی ها خب در ظاهر به زندگی عادی برگشتن ولی خب برای همه این طوری نیست یعنی برای شخص خود من این طوری نیست من هنوز نتونستم به زندگی عادی برگردم ولی خب یه چیزی هم که هست نمیشه از همه خورده گرفت برای اینکه که شیش ماه پنج ماه شده و یه توان مردم انگار تموم شده نه به این حالت که دیگه خشمگین نیستن اون خشم اولی آره درسته نیست اولش خیلی همه پرشور بودن ولی اینقدر که گرفتن و کشتن انگار یه ترسی هم اومده یعنی تو خود شهر ما چون خیلی گرفتن یه واقعا یه ترسی اومده و اصلا برای اینکه تیر بزنن هیچ مثلا از اینایی ندارن عبایی ندارن راحت این کارو میکنن ولی که خب همین که گفتم دیگه مدلش عوض شده مدل همه چی عوض شده و اینکه اینقدر هم تو این چند هفته دلار رفته بالا واقعا یکی از Right. It's economically, it's pretty bad in Iran these days, right? Yeah. Do you notice that yourself? I mean, with you or your friends or your family, is it affecting everyday life? Like the cost of things? You know, is it is it clear that it's a difficult situation? آره خب معلومه یعنی واقعا هر هفته ای که میگذره باید نسبت به هفته قبلتر شما کمتر اون سبد خریدتون رو کچکتر کنین 
فکر دیگه قبلا اینطوری بود که سال به سال این اتفاق می افتاد بعد شیش ماه شیش ماه الان دیگه هر هفته شما باید نگران باشیم که هفته دیگه همه چی گرون میشه و قشن هیچ برنامه ریزی دیگه نمیشه کرد مرجان How much do people talk about leadership, like the future of Iran and leadership of who's going to be the leaders? How much does that conversation happen inside Iran? It's something that seems to get talked about a lot outside of Iran. Are are you guys talking about that in Iran as well? بیشتر الان فکر میکنم همه اول دلشون میخواد که اینا برن و با چیزی که الان درست شده اون همبستگی که الان هست فکر میکنم چیزی که همه الان میپسندنش یعنی دوروبری های من همه الان راضی در اینکه اتفاقاتی که تو خارج از کشور داره میفته I mean there's been a lot of attention given outside of Iran to Masalan images of opposition leaders coming together. There's a conference in Washington. There was Munich, as you say. There's Brussels today. Are people inside Iran following all of this closely? Are they as interested in whether Reza Pahlavi and Masih Alinejad and Hamid Ismailiun are seen together or showing solidarity? Are you guys, I don't want to say do you care, because obviously I, I think you care, but I mean, is that a priority inside Iran? <laughs> سخت باشه رو من خودم نمیپسندیدم چون که قرار گروه های مختلف باشه ولی الان که چند نفر هست و صحبت هاشون رو گوش دادم به نظرم که آره واقعا احتیاج داریم که یک, نف... یک گروهی وجود داشته باشن و یعنی دوباره توی ایران اصلاح طلب رو میارم بالا به نظرم چون دارن انگاری که این کارو میکنن و یه حقه قدیمیه دیگه دوباره و فکر میکنم باید یه گروه باشن خارج از ایران که صدای ما رو برسونن ولی خودم با اون قضیه وکالت دادم خیلی موافق نبودم الان که یه گروه تشکیل شده خیلی هسته بهتری دارم right, right. Is there any particular person I mean I know you're just It's just you and your friends. I can't, you're not all of Iran. I can't ask you something that to represent all of Iran. But in your circle, is there any particular person or leader that you guys like that you, you, you in particular, you talk about and say, this person would be really good to be leading Iran or, or being in charge somehow? الان فکر نمی کنم کسی بتونه در داخل ایران یعنی اصلا بهش حق صحبت کردن نمیدن صداش در نمیاد که بتونه لیدر بشه برای همین احتیاج داریم که خارج از کشور باشه که از این مرحله گذر کردیم بعد آدمای زیادی هستن که میتونم توی انتخابات سالم خب مثلا مثلا کی Uh, who are you thinking of when you say that? Hossein Ronaghi or Nasrin Sotudeh? Who who is in your mind? تمام کسایی که دقیقاً مثل حسین رونقی و نسرین سوتوده هستن تعدادشون هم خیلی زیاده. همه اینا میتونن نه به اینکه به عنوان اینکه یک نفر باشه چون دیگه واقعا فکر کنم از این 
مرحله باید گذر کنی که یک نفر همه حرف رو بزنه یه مجلسی تشکیل بشه که همه آدما توش یه نماینده داشته باشن همینطور همه چون ایران خیلی گروه های مختلفی داره لور کورد گیلک اینا همشون یکی رو داشته باشن right. چون باید یکی از مثلا خود بلوچا باشه که حرفشون رو بزنه یعنی ما تا قبل این اتفاقات من خودم شخصا نمیدونستم که چقدر زندگی سختی دارن Wow. So, so this uprising, this inqilab, has has created the conditions where you inside Iran are learning more about other Iranians, or other people in Iran. That's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, let Let me ask you a question that may seem like a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you in the, in the north city of Iran that you're in? Do you? encounter or see anyone who is supportive of the Islamic Republic regime? I mean, do you, uh, in your daily life, actually, you know, notice that there are people who are supporting the regime? Um, کسی که نشون بده نه نه نمیبینم یعنی الان کسی فکر نمیکنم در شهری که ما هستیم جرعتش رو داشته باشه که علنا اینو بگه آه. ولی که میدونم کسایی هستن که طرفتارشون هستن میشناسمشون ولی خب علنا چیزی نمیگن interesting یعنی اگر طرفتار رژیم باشن میترسن چیزی بگن <laughs> well, interesting. So it's really turned around. What What about on the anniversary of the revolution, Did you see a lot of people showing their support for the regime, or did it feel when they did, did it feel fake or masnui somehow? آره فکر بود ما چیزی ندیدیم اصلا اصلا هیچ شباهتی مثل سالهای قبل نداشت. Uh, let me ask you a final question. Merci Do you, do you, Marjan, I mean, as somebody who has been on the protests, as somebody who was arrested, as somebody who obviously cares about this, do, today, February now of 2023, are, are you hopeful? Are you optimistic that the change that you have wanted is going to come? in the coming say months این که تغییر پیدا میکنه که بدون شک تغییر پیدا میکنه یعنی اصلا در این مورد هیچ شکی وجود نداره ولی فقط شاید قبلا خیلی امیدوار بودم که خیلی زود این اتفاق بیفته ولی الان شاید حس میکنم یک کمی طولانی تر بشه شاید به یک سال طول بکشه شاید دو سال طول بکشه ولی اینکه خب نباید نامید شد مرجان مرسی thank you, thank you so much for this today مرسی از شما خوشحال شدم be careful of yourself okay چش چش خدا حافظ خدا نگهدار That's Marajan in the, the north of Iran. And that is full time for Rook for today. Thank you to all of those people uh, who join us from inside Iran. It's really, really special to get those perspectives from inside the country. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Roham, 
Anikita, Parisa, Pega, Rai Mertad, Hanuman Negin, and Gurvishaya. Uh, thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Remember, you can, you can become a, a Rook member on our Patreon page by going to our website, rookmedia.com, and pressing the Support Us button. You can find me on Insta at Gian Gomeshi. Thank you again. Mizo Bashi.